Good morning once again. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And today we'll spend some time uh, in verses 10 to 20 in a a series that uh, we will start within a series on spiritual warfare. So we've been going through Ephesians uh, from about uh, a year or two ago now, and we are now reaching the end of, of the epistle to the Ephesians and so we will spend some time as a church in chapter 6 from verse 10 to 20 today I just want to do like an overview of those 20 verses on spiritual warfare spiritual warfare we'll be looking at its elements let us read together from verse 10 and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. This is the word of God. Hear it as it comes to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Verse 19, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how we need your Holy Spirit. 
to convict us today. How we need your power through the preaching of your word to shake our foundations, to understand that we are in a war, to understand that life is not just a walk in the park, and to understand that, oh God, those who are in you are shielded but still need to fight. We pray that the hearers may not be distracted. Pray for myself that you may guide me from all error and heresy. I am a mere man bound to err. I pray that you might anoint my lips with power from on high, that I may preach only that which is true, and I preach that only that which is written. So help me God, in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the first thing that you hear when the, word, when the phrase spiritual warfare comes into mind? What, what, what is the first thing that you think about, sorry, when the phrase spiritual warfare comes into mind? Is it rolling on the floor hysterically? Is it slaying the devil or binding the devil? Is it some ambiguous story about what you dreamt or what you saw? Or is it a feeling of uneasiness? and eeriness. Friends, I believe the Apostle Paul in Ephesians gives the most compelling description of spiritual warfare in the Bible and gives a response to how we should handle it as Christians. And friends, I want to make an important connection and the connection between the last section which we looked and the section that we are coming to. Paul has been speaking and addressing born servants and masters. In fact, even before that, the apostle Paul has been addressing all sorts of people in society, husbands and wives, children and parents, uh, ordinary Christians, etc., etc., from chapter 5 going onwards, and he's just finished this section where he has been addressing bond slaves or bond servants and masters, and he goes on to spiritual warfare. If you go back as far as chapter 2, the Apostle Paul pointed out that. For ye were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying that your enemies are the flesh, the world, and now in chapter 6, he now says, and it brings it out very beautifully, that your other enemy is the devil. After teaching the Christians that you were dead in your trespasses, you were sinners, but God has saved you from this. And then he, he, he then 
compels the Christians to live in a particular way such that they may not be tempted to live a life that is against God. But at the end of this discourse in chapter 6, he starts another trial. He starts another trail where he's now focusing on the devil, on the external. He was talking about the internal before. He was talking about what the internal makes us do. We chase the world. Now he's now talking about the external enemy, which is the devil. The external enemy to the Christian. Friends, we are being assailed by the devil by Satan, by Lucifer, a liar, the accuser of the brethren. And friends, Christianity is not a holiday. The Christian is at war, a real, brutal, gruesome battle, and he lays it out bare in the next verses. Friends, I want us to see in this overview that I want to give us today the elements of spiritual warfare. First of all, I want us to see the foundational element, which is found in verses 10 to 11. In verse 12, we see the existing enemies in this spiritual warfare. And then thirdly, we'll see how the Christian should clothe themselves appropriately. Clothe themselves appropriately and then hopefully in the next coming weeks we'll go in depth to really see what God would have us do. The Apostle Paul there in the foundational elements from verse 10 to 11 says the following, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul starts the section with this premise, finally. He says, finally, as if to say, I am now concluding what I've been saying. I'm now consolidating everything. When all is said and done, at the end of it all, be strong in the Lord. That is the foundation. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That is the foundation of all spiritual warfare. If you don't have Christ, you are a cooked duck. You have no foundation. If you don't have Christ, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation of your faith, you will not be able to withstand the evil. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on Christ. That's what he's saying. Put on everything. All the spiritual blessings that God has given you in the heavenly places. Put on the word of God. Put on faith. He, he will later highlight all these aspects later on. But he's saying, the first and foremost foundation of spiritual warfare 
is Christ. Now it's sad that we live in a day and age where charismatics have these deliverance services every Sunday. And everyone is just, they keep on being delivered. Every Sunday, you are being delivered. How and why? Is it supported by scripture? When Paul says, put on, be strong in the Lord and put on. He's already giving you an assurance that when you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are already halfway through the battle. The battle has been won for you. I want you to notice that Paul is using military language. And that's why this passage is actually associated with or termed spiritual warfare. Because there's a strong military presence. You know, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, take up, etc., etc. This is to depict, friends, that the Christian life is a war. It's not something to just, well, you know, I, I, I'm walking in the park, I'm sort of relaxed. There are serious, serious spiritual forces at play. And if you're not in Christ, or if you're not watchful, you'll be blown away. Blown away. Now Paul's language is influenced by the happenings of his time under the Roman rule. Where there were wars and conquests and battles in Colosseums. And he was saying to the Ephesians and he's saying to us today. Dress for action like a man and prepare for battle. In this foundational, in these in this foundational elements of spiritual warfare, Paul teaches Christians to be strong in the Lord. This is to mean that whatever teaching that is going to be had on spiritual warfare needs to be in the Lord. You cannot do it alone or in your own power. You hear people say, I want to bind the devil. The devil, friends, this morning I want to tell you that the devil is more powerful than you. I want to tell you that you cannot combat demons. You cannot bind them. They'll blow you away. I see people messing around with, you know, we are exercising, we are doing all sorts of things. What happened to the sons of Sceva? They walked around, you know, trying to exercise, calling by the name of Jesus. And the demons turned to them and said, no, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? Who are you? Then Paul goes on to talk about putting on the whole armor of God, which we will cover from verse 14 to 18. Friends, I want you to notice something. Is that by the grace of God, you are responsible for putting on the full armor of God. But I want you to notice that God does not put on the armor for you. Paul is writing to Christians here. Paul is writing to those people who have already been saved. He's saying your responsibility 
is now to put on the full armor of God. Read the word of God. The Christian is responsible to daily meditate, read the word of God, pray. We live in a world of busyness. We live in a world of distraction. We live in a world where we're chasing other things apart from God. And so we miss the day as it starts. Tomorrow is a Monday. How are we going to fare? One Puritan said, if you miss God in the morning, you will really catch him the rest of the day. If you run, in fact, he said, if you run away from God in the morning, <laughs> you seldom find him in the evening. That's what he said. So, you have a responsibility in your Christian life, if you claim to be a Christian, if indeed you are in Christ, you have the responsibility to put on the full armor of God, one, by attending to the means of grace, the word of God, prayer, attending church services, as best as you can because there's a war going out going on out there so now that we have the foundation i want us to see the existing enemies from verse 12 paul goes on to say for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood you're not fighting against another human being. This is something that is invisible, that is evil, that is more evil than you can even think about, and it's not there to play. But against the rulers, who are these rulers? Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual the, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places i want you to picture this friends that wherever we are as we are living our daily lives there's some sort of invisible entity that is hovering waiting to capitalize waiting to torment waiting to throw temptation at you and it's not there to play that's what paul is saying he doesn't describe who these what these things are but of course they're associated to the devil so we are led to believe and we conclude that they are demons demons exist and if you don't put on the full armor of God, you are at risk of an attack. You are at risk. Listen to what the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, so in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says. He says, and, if, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And John further brands this truth in our hearts. From 1 John chapter 5, 
Verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So friends, at each and every corner, you have an enemy. There's some things that happen in our lives that are unexplainable. As Christians, maybe you you have been doing so well in your spiritual walk. But one slip, you've fallen back into the evil ways of the past. You're vulnerable. You miss one or two Sundays in church. Ah, no, I'm sick. You know, Pastor, I'm sick. I was sick, you know. So, you know, I didn't come to, I couldn't come to church. Oh, okay. Next week, oh, I had a trip to Mutare. I couldn't come to church. I guarantee you that you are already vulnerable. If you are not already drifting, <laughs> you are vulnerable to that tax. And it's so funny how these things work, how they are conjoined. Because there's the flesh at work, there's the, you know, the, the, the desires of the world at work, and then into the equation, there's the devil. So you could be even in what you would call harmless company. And there are people maybe doing all sorts of ungodly things. Before you know it, you're already participating. I hope to expound on these spiritual forces, these demons. Even in Africa, you may say, well, Pastor, you didn't mention Africa. All these ancestral things that people do, those are demons, demonic. All these things, like, for example, when they say, Kuroma Guva, away people go and, you know, do some uh, rituals on, on, on graves or even try to say, we're bringing back the owner of this house who died. In Deve, they call it Umbuiso. That's demonic. That's playing with the devil. Ballroom dancing with the devil. Those are our enemies. They're not your friend. Even the unbeliever, the devil is not your friend. If you're an unbeliever, you think, well, I'm safe. You're not. Because day by day, the wrath of God is on your head. And the devil is propelling you, using you to live an ungodly life. And you're destroying yourself. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What then? Having seen the existing enemies, we now move on to what the Christian must do. And I've titled it, Clothe Appropriately. Dress 
for the occasion. When you are going to see the president of the nation, you don't go and dress in a t-shirt written, I am the bomb. <laughs> or wear a miniskirt. You dress appropriately because you're seeing the highest man in the land, the number one citizen in the land. Now, when you are a Christian, you must always be clothed appropriately for this battle. Look at how the Apostle Paul puts it. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God and put it on, that you may withstand, you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Here's the first element of clothing yourself appropriately, which I believe is in verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The truth of God's word is the number one article that you're supposed to put on. Listen to what John 17 verse uh, 17 says. In the high priestly prayer, Jesus' priestly prayer, when he's praying for his disciples, he says, sanctify them by the, by the truth. Your truth is the word. Your word is the truth. And friends, the number one thing most appropriate for the Christian to clothe themselves with is the, is, is the truth of God's word. We are people of the great book as we profess, give me the Bible or I die. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he appealed to the great book. Remember what he said? He didn't say, no, 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 no. I'm referring to myself, Satan. When Satan says, you know, all these kingdoms of the world, they, I'll give them to you. If you, if you, um, in fact, let's turn there so that I don't misquote. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. The great temptation of Jesus. So we see in verse 1 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. The first temptation, if you are the Son of God, from verse 3, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. One of the ways to clothe yourself and to combat the wiles of the evil one is to say, it is written. When a sensual woman, young man, walks by and you're tempted to follow, you must say, 
with the scriptures. It is written that the, the lips of an immoral woman, the forbidden woman, they, 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 they seem to be dripping with honey, but they are bitter. They lead to shale. You will die. When you're tempted to steal from work, remember what is written in the word of God. Do not steal. When you're tempted to covet somebody else's property, you are taken back to the Ten Commandments. Do not covet. Your neighbor's wife was all his oxen, his property. When you're tempted to gossip and be a busybody, know that gossip is one of the sins that can send you to hell. Gossipers, it is written, not I can do. But it is written, not I will go and battle demons, it is written. Not I will go and slay the devil or bind him, it is written. We are the people of the great book. The apostle Paul was sola scriptura. Jesus was sola scriptura. He appealed to the great book. So the answer is not to scream in a hysteric manner or attempt to bind the devil because you aren't strong enough. The answer is to be armed with the word of God. Military soldiers go to war with guns and grenades. The Christians go to war with the word of God. Where is your Bible, dear friends? When you go out evangelizing, where is your Bible? When you come to church, where is your Bible? In your home, where is your Bible? So many people are at, are in danger. Some are, 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 are where they are in their lives because they don't plead with the scriptures. They don't go to the book. The word of God is all sufficient for all matters of life and practice. You want to reconcile a, a married couple at war? Go to the scriptures. You want to uh, plead with a murderer who's in prison? Go to the scriptures. You want to make good decisions in your lives? Where are the Proverbs? Where is Ecclesiastes? Where are the wisdom, wisdom literature? You're looking for a wife, the scriptures. You're looking for a godly spouse, the scriptures. You're being lazy, they address that. Spiritual warfare. The second element or the clothing article uh, that you can put on, let us go back to our text 
in verse 14 stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth so this is a soldier who has fastened on the belt of truth which is the word of God having put on the breastplate of righteousness the second one is righteousness this is what Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary on Ephesians which is titled Be Rich. He says, The breastplate of righteousness symbolizes the believer's righteousness in Christ. That's the first thing. And he quotes 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ, as well as his righteous life. In Christ, in other words, the Christian's righteous life in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And friends, this should just say to you that Christ's righteousness, or what we call imputed righteousness, because it has been given to us, gives us the confidence to resist Satan and not to be moved or vexed by his accusations. For example, you know maybe that you did not do what people are accusing you of doing. The righteousness of Christ keeps you because in that time it's real. People will be saying, he did this. Yes, there's evidence. And you're saying, no, I didn't. But the evidence is overwhelming from the crowd. And the evil one accuses you. Maybe you actually did it. But being clothed with Christ's righteousness, being in Christ, that's why we sing, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When all have deserted you, you stand in Christ. That righteousness gives you the confidence to continue going. To continue trudging, to continue marching. It is the righteous that validate the work of Christ. Your righteousness, your holiness, your godliness, your, you, you being set apart, you being different from what the world looks like, you going against the grain. When the world is going this way, you're going that way. When the world is immoral, loving sin, hating good, and then you hear exclamations of people saying, everyone is doing it. Your righteousness, because you have been imputed by the righteousness of Christ, will make you shine forth like a bright star on a dark day. And you will stand out. You are set apart. That's what Paul is saying here. Righteousness. When tempted by the devil, to do something evil, you say no, because you know you are in Christ. I am a child of God. I shouldn't be doing this. That is what righteousness does. 
If you don't have the righteousness of Christ, you will succumb easy. You'll be blown away. And that's one of the ways you can tell whether someone is a Christian or not. Are they showing forth the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Apart, uh, uh, you know, apart from this, there is no law. I want us to see another element that we're supposed to clothe ourselves in. Readiness. Verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So Paul uses this phrase, uh, you know, as shoes for your feet, which is an obvious allusion to Isaiah 52 verse 7. Which says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who publishes peace. Sorry, who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. So one commentator says here, the image here is of the Roman soldiers, sturdy sandals. Which gave him stability and protection in battle. So that Isaiah has been combined with this Roman background. So the Apostle Paul goes to the Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament is valid, it's valuable, it's the word of God. And combines the idea with New, a New Testament teaching. To say this readiness that he's talking about is readiness to go and preach the gospel. See, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel gives us a readiness, a, a, a sort of, you know, I am ready for war. You're always alert. You're always looking. That is why I always say to the young people, you know, sometimes we lack discernment. When something, when danger is looming, we were sort of relaxed. It's almost like you've got a lion, a pet lion, you wait for it to grow, you stroke it, it grows into a full male lion, and you know, you think all is well. But when you read the word of God and understand life, and understand the whole scheme of things, you'll be able to know, okay, this is the signal. Flee. You already know that, okay, I've made a wrong turn. I need to go out of this place. Even with some of the associations that we make, you know that I'm in the wrong place. I'm not supposed to be there. I, I've got a weakness. I need to leave. But what do we do? Stay. We give the devil a field day. The devil is laughing in victory. <laughs> well done for coming. I've been waiting. Well done for indulging. I've been waiting. 
I want us to see the, 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 the other clothing article that we must wear is faith. And as shoes for your feet, verse 15, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Friends, when the devil has got a grip on you, he brings upon doubt on your life, confusion, and he, he, he brings about a marked lack of faith. Sometimes, when we lack faith in God, in a holy God, that God is who he is and he will do what he has promised, we are being tried by the devil. Satan's lies are whispering. Ah, God won't do this. Did he say that you must not eat? Huh? Whispering to Eve. Did he say when you maybe come across you know that you're, you're not supposed to be in a certain place. You know you're married. You know that there's someone tempting you. And the devil says, did God say you must hold marriage in the highest honor? Oh, you can defile the marriage bed. Harmless. One commentator said, the Roman shield was large enough to cover the whole body. It was made of wood, covered with animal hide, and bound with iron at the top and the bottom. So with this shield, when, they, when, when the Romans would dip their arrows into some sort of flammable um, substance and shoot flaming arrows, that shield could extinguish that flame. So that's what would follow that faith in God is the biggest shield. Faith in God that comes from God. And, and, and friends, when we talk about faith, I'm not talking about just blindly saying, well, so it be, may it be. Who just see in the front. No, that's not faith. Faith is definite. It is fixed. Belief and trust in God. That's why we sing the song, whatever my God ordains is right. We are trusting in God. It's firm, it's steady, it's unwavering. And you have faith that God will shield you against the wiles of the evil one. Think about it, friends. When you see this description of the Apostle Paul, when he's describing the spiritual forces in the heavenly places, this is scary. But I want you to think for a moment. How many things has God protected you from that you don't know of? How many? 
So thus, give thanks. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 144 when he's alluding to this picture of God being a shield. He says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. I want us to look at the other article. As we say, we're doing an overview. We're not going in depth. He points to the word of God again. Listen to this from verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, all right, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul combines two elements. You know, the helmet of salvation. We all know that salvation is not something that we put on, but it's something that is bestowed upon us. So the so what Paul is saying is that the helmet of salvation there is the hope in God for future redemption. There is what we call past redemption when God has been doing a work in people, there is present God saves you from sin and sustains you and continues to preserve you, then there is future redemption when Christ comes and returns and judges the world and takes his own that is final redemption and we get glorified bodies we get bodies that are amazing Okay, so Paul is saying, you know, having put, taking the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the divisions of the soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Hebrews 4.12 You want to scare away demons? Read the word of God. Aloud. <laughs> Recite the word of God. Hide it in your heart. You want to scare away the devil? Because the devil is not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful. He's not in every place at, every, at any given time. He's prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But you want the devil to flee from you. Read the word of God. Recite it. Yes, the devil can be resisted, friends. Turn to James, quickly. James chapter 4. Sorry, I've missed the I've missed the text. But it just basically says that 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Verse 7, yes, verse 7. Yes, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the devil can be resisted. I want us to move on to prayer and watchfulness and then I'll close. It's intended to be a short sermon. Back to our text, Ephesians. Prayer. Praying at all times, verse 18, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. I want you to hear what John Gill says. He says, a man should pray as often as he has an opportunity. And particularly that you should make use of it in times of darkness, desertion, and temptation. And this, when performed aright, is performed in the spirit, with the heart, soul, and spirit engaged in it. It is, it is put up with the true heart and the right spirit and without hypocrisy, in a spiritual way and with fervency, and under the influence and, the, and by the assistance of the spirit of God. Praying at all times. Prayer is an element that we should put on. If you're not praying, friends, then I don't know how you're living. One person once said that prayerlessness, prayerlessness is functional atheism. You are saying that you can do without God. In fact, you're saying that there is no God. A Christian who doesn't pray may be no Christian at all. We live in a day that people are afraid to wake up early and pray. Jesus arose before uh, the, the rising of the sun and he went to pray. And like, oh no, you know, I'm too tired. Or, I'm a late sleeper. Oh, I've got work to do. Oh, you pastors, you're just overbearing us, overburdening us. Pray without ceasing. Wake up and seek the throne of grace. Pray all the time. Take time to talk to the maker so that he may shield you. And the last one is watchfulness. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert. Keep alert with all perseverance. Uh, sorry. Keep, uh, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Friends, keep alert like a street vendor looking out for the police. Have you ever seen those street vendors in Zimbabwe? Ah, they're the most watchful people. Watchful. Have you ever seen the way they run? Have you ever seen the way they gather up their things? As the police, just one sighting of a police. Kakaka. They're already packed up in their, on the run. This is what Paul is saying. This is the picture. 
be on the watch. Your assailants know your weaknesses. They know your whereabouts. And know your God. And friends, I would like to close by saying Jesus has won the battle by defeating Satan and his hosts. And he proves it by calling his troops. You and I to battle. As we await his return. Where he will say good and faithful servant. Till then we must be actively fighting. Because there's a war out there. Actively. It's, it's, it's not, this life is not going to be comfortable. We are meant to be uncomfortable. The moment you're comfortable, you're a sitting duck. And if you're not fighting actively and with urgency, maybe your eyes have not been opened to the reality that we are at war. Maybe you're not fighting because you're not saved. Maybe you just think that everything is normal. Life is normal. Life is a breeze. I should just live the way I live. What are you talking about, Pastor? There's no war. I'm good. Maybe you're not saved. Cry out to the Lord to save you so that you may enter into this mighty battle with glee. And oh, friend, if you don't know Christ, you have lost. If you don't know Christ, you are, you are, you are losing this battle. You need to run to him and say, save me, O Lord. I am lost because I'm not fighting. And our Lord Jesus Christ will answer this plea emphatically. And for the Christians, I'll say this to you. Fight the good fight with all that.